Hey folks, we're starting to wind down in our series. You know, for the last four months or so now, we've been going through First Peter and we've been talking about living our life now in this world, recognizing that we are pilgrims, sojourners. We're only here temporarily. This, if you realize this place isn't your home, you may have lived in Kerwinsville, Clearfield County all your life, but this place isn't your home. You're only here temporarily. You have somewhere else to go. And so the question then comes to mind, well, how do we live our lives now? And so Peter has been reflecting on that throughout his first letter here, his first epistle, that you and I are as pilgrims need to live a certain way. And he's prepared us. He's told us about the things that we're going to face. He's made you realize that we saw that in chapter 4, that even suffering, that's part of life. That's normal. Don't be shocked by it. But realize that God is using it and that you can rely upon God. Now we're getting into chapter 5. He's going to wrap things up. And today we're going to talk about, specifically talk about, that this life that you're living now, for him, as you're here temporarily, you weren't meant to live it alone. You can't do it. You can't live the Christian life alone. You know, I often hear people say, you know, I'll talk to people and I'll say to them, well, do you go to church anywhere? And they'll say to me, I've heard this many times, maybe you've heard it, I don't need to go to church. I can worship God where anywhere. Yes, you're right. All of us here could worship God anywhere. You could, I, I worship God in the tree stand. Wonderful. Great. I worship God on the beach. Wonderful. I worship God at work. Wonderful. But the fact of the matter is, is if that's what your concept of church is, you're really missing it. Because church is not about Worship. Well, wait a minute, George, what were we just doing? No, no, church isn't about worship. That's a component of church. That's something church does when it gets together is worship the Lord. But the church is more than just a worship service. Isn't that what we have on our t-shirts? It's more than a worship service. Church is a group of people. The body of Christ who come together to minister to each other, to help each other as we are what? Pilgrims here in this world. As we're struggling along. Did you understand what I'm saying? So stop for a moment. How many of you are going through something? You don't need to tell me that, but how many of you are going through something? How many of you have been through something? And in your mind, you've said statements like this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And in your mind, you've said to yourself, I just feel so alone as I'm facing whatever it is. Church is the people who are God's people because you're part of God's people who are there to what? Help you and support you as you go through that, right? We've seen that from Peter. Now, Peter is actually going to go a little bit further now in chapter 5, and he's going to talk about that as we make that journey, you need to have guidance. I need to have guidance to make that journey. Because the fact of the matter is, we're on a journey, but we don't know what's ahead of us. 
We don't know what's coming. In fact, it's a good thing you don't know what's coming because if you knew what was coming, you'd be scared to death and you would stop. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody told you 20 years ago that you would face the things that you would face, right? Or even 30 years ago. If you knew that, you would be like, oh my goodness, I don't even want to get out of bed. But you need guidance. You need somebody to be there alongside of you to guide you through the things that you're going through. So that's why I want to talk for a moment about this journey being a group effort before we look at God's word. A group effort. A group effort. Number one, just a reminder here. Just You need to recognize this. You were not meant to journey through life on your own. You weren't meant to journey through life on your own. I think you know that. That's, that's just a, a realistic perspective. Because look at your life. Your life is made up of family, number one. You've got family around you. And then friends, second group of people, friends. Maybe they're not many, but you have friends. And then beyond that is acquaintances people that you meet, people that you know, and then everybody else. But you ha you're you not doing life alone. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I've told my kids this. I remember when I was at Liberty University, my first year there, I had a professor. I wonder if he's still alive sometimes. But he talked about, he used to talk before class. It was a theology class. And sometimes he would give practical in first five minutes, some practical things for you to think about. And, and one day he said that. He said, in your life, you'll only ever make five true friends. Five true friends. Now, some of you are saying, well, I know so-and-so. They're friends with everybody. No, no. No, no. I want you to listen to me. I'm not talking about acquaintances. In your life, you'll only ever make five true friends. Now, here's what he said. A true friend is a friend who will do anything for you without asking for anything in return. A true friend will sacrifice for you. A true friend will love you no matter what. A true friend. Now, if you think about that and you think about all of your friends, you would think, yeah, you're right, there's only five. If five. And then he made this powerful statement, make sure one of them is your spouse. Make sure one of them is your spouse. And I thought, wow, that is some... Great wisdom there. See, you weren't meant to go it alone, and that includes the Christian life, my friends. That includes your spiritual journey. You are not an island to yourself. You need other people. Even though, well, I'm an introvert, I can do without people. Hey, I'm an introvert too. Doing this zaps me of strength. I gotta go home for a three hour power nap after being here. Because you guys suck the life out. And an extrovert, oh, he just, they just like, oh, you're out there feeding off of your energy. I'm not, I'm giving energy. But you can't go it alone. Even an introvert can't go it alone. So that brings me to the second thing about seeing a group effort. This is why church has to be more than a worship service. This is why church has to be more than a worship service. So let me just talk for a moment about Resonate Bible Studies, okay? 
We've got a group of men that meet downstairs, a group of ladies that meet upstairs. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, we're studying the Bible. Yes, we're studying issues that we're facing. The men's study right now, we're looking at biblical characters, trying to draw out things for ourselves as men. But it's not just a study. It's the interaction of the men with each other, helping to develop relationships with each other so that, what? We have support for later on. That's what it's about. It's not just getting together to have increase our knowledge. It's about doing life together. We gather on Wednesdays, and to me, you understand, I, I look and I say, oh, wow, what, what a nice service. You know what the greatest part of the service is? Is seeing how long people hang out afterwards. Because that really says something. Because what you see is people, what? Interacting with each other. Did you understand what I'm saying? People interacting. Because that's what, can I be honest with you? That's what church is. Church is people interacting with each other. Church is being there for people. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's being there. It's like when I get a notice from my, my phone and it says there's a prayer request. I, I look at the prayer request and I say, yeah, I'm going to pray about that. But then I look and I see, wow, there's a group of people who are praying for that request who are committing themselves to pray for that request. That's what church is. Church is recognizing you can't go it alone. So Peter comes along and he gives us some instructions about guidance. And one form of guidance that he focuses on here is spiritual leaders. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at the first five verses of 1 Peter. But here's what he says in verse 1. He says this, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now here's what we're going to see, folks. First of all, we're going to see that God has equipped us with spiritual leadership to guide us in the journey. Because again, you need somebody to guide you. Okay? You need somebody to guide you as you are here and as you make this journey. So he's going to talk about spiritual leadership, and there's going to be some powerful things that you need to see here. Okay? Because maybe you've seen the abuses of spiritual leadership. I can almost guarantee you some have. And then what we're going to see is our responsibilities. Our responsibilities to that leadership. Okay? So let's notice, first of all, first thing he points out to us, we see it in verses 1 to 2. The elders who are among you, I exhort. Here's what he says, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Here's the first thing I want you to see about spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership must provide total care for fellow pilgrims. 
Total care. So he's describing what this guidance is. He's describing this guidance kind of like a shepherd. What does a shepherd do with his sheep? Well, the shepherd guides the sheep to where they need to go to the next pasture of green food. He makes sure that they're cared for. He does whatever their health needs are. He takes total care of the sheep that are under his care. And really, to be honest with you folks, that's what a spiritual leader is supposed to be. A spiritual leader is there to take care of the people that are under his care. The spiritual leaders, which by the way, notice he uses the plural form, elders. He doesn't say elders, so he's not just talking about a pastor here. He's talking about in a congregation, in a church, there are leaders whose responsibility is to take care of the spiritual condition of the church. Now let me ask you a question. So if that's their responsibility, is to take care of the spiritual condition, the total care of the church, would that make it very important as to the kind of men we would select to be our leaders? Would that make it very important? Yeah. But you know what? I've been a believer now 30 30 it's going to be, what is this, 19, 34 years here in April, okay? You'd be surprised. A lot of churches, it's based upon whether or not Bubba is popular. Or whether or not Bubba can be a deacon or an elder. Bubba could be a scoundrel, but we'll elect him because we need somebody from our group represented on the board. Right? Have you seen that? I've seen that. The problem is, is that biblical? No, because what we're seeing here is, is the people that you select to be spiritual leaders in the church, their responsibility is to what? Give total care for who? Yeah, for everybody, to guide them on their what? Journey. See the importance there about the kind of men you would select? Well, you're saying that the only spiritual leadership in a group is men? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when we talk about in a role of an elder or so forth, yes, but there are also female leaders, right? There are also female leaders, and, and they rise up to give care to the body as well. But you have to be aware of that. So spiritual leaders must provide total care for fellow pilgrims. In fact, he goes on a little bit and he talks about a little bit more about this spiritual leadership. And I think, notice what he says there, verse 2. I think it's very important. Look at what he says, verse 2. He says, not by compulsion, but willingly. Now, does everybody understand compulsion? Do you know, do you know what that means? Compulsion? Okay, I'll show you, I'll demonstrate to you what compulsion is. Give me your hand, Brad. Come with me, Brad. No. Do you understand? I'm, you're coming with me, buddy. Did I jerk your arm out of socket? I'm sorry. Okay. Spiritual leadership can't be by compulsion. It can't be by willing. So what is it? You cannot be forced into spiritual leadership. You can't force people to be spiritual leaders. I once, uh, this is a sad story. I, I once talked to a deacon. Man, this has been probably 
25 years ago. And they had a pastor who, well, he had the title of pastor. He wasn't a pastor. And, and there were some bad things going on. And I, and I remember having a lunch with this deacon from this church who had this pastor. And he was on the search committee. And, and here's what he said to me. And I thought this was amazing. He said to me, you know, we saw these things when we went through the process of calling him to be our pastor. It's, those things that, that are a big issue now, we saw those things. So I said, okay, well, if you saw them, why did you select him to be your pastor? And here was the response. Well, we thought that he could work that out. Folks, you can't work those things out, Something, especially when it's talking about character. How long does it take for character to develop? Is it short or is it a long time? Long time. God is the one who molds spiritual leadership. And you can't force anyone to be a leader. In fact, I have experienced over life and over time, and you have seen this as well, that the people that we force into leadership who shouldn't be leaders end up being the problem, right? So if we're talking about having people guide us in our journey, they need to be people who are doing it willingly for the Lord, not because they were forced to. Here's the, here's the next one. This just blows my mind. Uh, I, look with me. Again, verse, verse 2 and 3, he says this, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. All right, now let's stop for a moment. Let's take, let's take those two verses. All right, so not for dishonest gain. So the spiritual leaders that you would select, they're not doing it for themselves and the dishonest gain. They're not doing it to enrich themselves. Okay? Wow, that would disqualify a whole lot of people on TV, especially the guys with the gold cufflinks, right? Wanting you to help them get the jet that Jesus told them to get, right? But also, not lording over them. How many of you have, I've experienced this, how many of you have experienced a dictatorial pastor who tells you the way it should be and you need to obey him? Right? All right, notice I use that word obey. You're going to see something here a little bit further in the, in the passage when we talk about responsibilities. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to obey. But he's saying here, not people who do it by compulsion, not people who do it for dishonest gain, not people who will lord over them. Here's what I want you to see. Here's my point. Spiritual leadership cannot be self-serving. Spiritual leadership cannot be self-serving. Folks, Kerbinsville Christian Church isn't about George. Never has been. Did you understand what I'm saying? It can't be. The moment it comes about George, George needs to leave. Just being honest with you. It can't be about me. It can't be about you. Do you understand? Church is about who? Jesus. 
and all of us being on the journey together till we go to be with Jesus. Do you understand? So, spiritual leadership cannot be self-serving. He's got one more thing he wants to point out here. True spiritual leadership. He says this, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. What's he saying here? Spiritual leadership will be rewarded by Jesus. Rewarded. Now the implication is, the implication of this text is, is that somebody has to give an account for their spiritual leadership, right? In fact, we know that later, that, that those who teach will be judged double. We know that. Scripture talks about that. So there's a sense in which I'm responsible not just to you as a congregation, but I'm responsible to the Lord for doing what he calls me to do. And one day, a wonderful thing that I want to hear, there's a song that, I, that I've been listening to on the Christian radio about you know, hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you know. And he'll give you a reward. In fact, that's what Paul talks about in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. There is for me a, a crown of life. There is a crown laid up for me, a crown of life. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. That's what spiritual leadership, that's what true spiritual leadership is. And folks, that's what we need in our lives. I need it, you need it in your life. You need true spiritual leaders to guide you on this journey as you face the things that you're facing. That's what church is about. That's what church is about. So then he tells you responsibilities. How do, how do we... How, what are our responsibilities to that true spiritual leadership? So I want you to notice with me verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm going to show you two things here. All right, number one. Place yourself under the care of true spiritual leadership. That's what the word submissive means. All right, so first of all, can I tell you right now, whenever the Bible talks about you responding to spiritual leadership, it talks about submitting. Notice it does not use the word obey. And there's, it's got two different meanings. We understand obedience, right? Children, Paul says in his letters, obey your parents. You know, you tell your kids you do something, you're not giving them an option, you're telling them this is the way it's got to be, you do it, right? Submission is completely different. Submission is, especially in a marriage, in a marriage we're told to submit to each other, right? Submission is recognizing that we're equals, but we're placing ourselves under the leadership of the other person. So in reality, it's not that spiritual leaders are better than you. How many times have you felt that way, that the pastor was better than you or above you? I felt that way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Because in reality, the preacher is the same as you as far as who we are before God, right? 
or that spiritual leader, that elder, or that deacon is the same as you, right? But what you're doing, though, when it says submit, is that you're not giving up your equality. You're just what? Placing yourself under their leadership and their guidance. That's what it's about. Is you're letting them guide you. Now notice, I used a key phrase here. Place yourself under the care of what? True spiritual leadership. Well, how do I know what true spiritual leadership is? He just told you in verses 2 and 3, it's not somebody who's forced into it. It's not somebody who's doing it for dishonest gain. And it's not somebody who's what? Lording over others. Wow, you can identify them real quick, right? Just based on that. So, But you're going to place yourself under true spiritual leadership to guide you in your life. Because again, can you handle it on your own? Do you need somebody to guide you? Are there times that you struggle with your faith because of the stuff that you're facing? You need somebody to come alongside of you and encourage you. Exhort you. Even sometimes rebuke you, right? Right? Every one of us needs a good rebuke every now and then, right? So you place yourself under them. That's what he's saying is our responsibility. But he goes one step further, and you're like, what? What has that got to do with anything? It's got a lot to do with it if you're going to be submissive. Look at the second point here. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and then notice, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Here's the second thing. Pursue humility, not selfish pride. So it's not just that you just place yourself under somebody's guidance. You've got to pursue humility rather than selfish pride. You say, well, what has that got to do with anything? You're telling me to be humble, not prideful? What has that got to do with my responsibility to spiritual leadership? It's got everything to do with your responsibility to spiritual leadership. Because your biggest enemy in submitting to anybody is your own what? Selfish pride, right? I mean, I, I remember what it was like to be a teenager. I still can think about that. I mean, I'm going to be 50, what years? 53, and, okay, and I can remember 40 years ago being a young teenager in my household, thinking I knew better than my dad. How many of you ever thought you knew better than your dad? Yeah, I did. What is that? Pride? Tell me something. When you're an adult, you ever thought that you knew better than your boss? All the time, right? You know what I'm saying? And how many times have you thought better than your pastor? All the time, George. All the time. You can't do this alone. And really, to be honest with you, that's the first step to humility. How are you going to be humble and allowing others to guide you is recognizing 
You can't do this alone. Have you recognized that lately? Wait, something's going to happen to help you realize it. You can't do it alone. You can't. So what do we do with this? We're on this journey. He's given us spiritual leadership. And and our key thing is to recognize the true spiritual leaders and and to allow them to help us, guide us in our journey and and, and to place ourselves under their care and and to be humble about it. What do we do with this? Well, I'm going to give you two thoughts here, okay, as as we wrap this up. Number one, you've got to recognize this. The faith journey was never meant to be taken alone. The faith journey was never meant to be taken alone. That's what church is about, folks. One day, when, when, I, when I stand before Jesus, and he welcomes me, and he commends me, I'm going to know for a fact that it was not because of me alone. That I'm there because, and the reward that I will receive is because there were many others who were there with me along the journey. There were my mentors. There were the people who guided me into a deeper walk with Jesus. There were the people who did something as simple as picking up a phone and calling me out of nowhere saying, hey, uh, this is so-and-so. Do you, do you remember me? I was in class with you. I was just thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And you're like, what? Nothing's going on. And then two months later, boom, it hits. And you're like, oh, you had people praying for me before it happened. I'm not in this alone. You're not in this alone. The faith journey is never meant to be taken alone. You are not alone here. And folks, if you're feeling alone, a lot of times it's because you're not allowing yourself to interact with other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not allowing yourself to interact with other people. I think one of the things that gives, gives me joy as a pastor is not how well our services go or how well the preaching go, okay? What gives me joy as a pastor, I've already told you, is seeing people connecting with each other. It's also seeing people connecting with each other all the time because we're in a small group together and there's a relationship that's building. That's what brings me joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what brings me joy. It's not hearing somebody tell me how wonderful the message was. I remember years ago I sat in the back, people walk out, oh, that was a wonderful sermon, George. Yes, I know. You were sleeping the whole time. Yeah, I'm sure it was wonderful. It helped you sleep. It doesn't matter. What's what? what it, do you understand? That's not the test of what God's doing in a church. It's people coming together as they make the journey. Do you understand? Because you don't know what the journey is going to be like. And you can't handle the journey on your own. 
Here's the second thing. Every follower of Jesus needs to place himself under godly leadership. And notice I put that in quotes. Godly leadership. Well, I've already arrived, George. I already know everything. I, you, know, you all the more need to place yourself under somebody. If you think you've arrived, you are a fool. I'm just being honest with you. Because nobody has arrived. I haven't arrived. I'm constantly learning. I'm learning constantly that I don't know anything. Well, you want us to be guided by you? You don't know. No, no, listen to me. I'm just saying that's that's maturity. When the, the the older you get, the more mature you become in Christ, the more you realize you don't know much. And you need more guidance. And all of us here need guidance. From notice the quote, godly leadership. Because folks, here's what the other the Bible will also warn you about is false leaders. People who will lead you astray. And they'll say the right things doctrinally, but they'll lead you astray by their lifestyles and by everything else. Do you understand? And by their ambitions and their goals. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. And then when they collapse, and they always collapse, people are left in their wake devastated. And the reality is, is that you should have been following godly leadership. So let me ask you, something to think about, isn't it? You're not on this journey alone. You were never meant to be on this journey alone. And maybe it is that you need to ask God, God, show me the leaders in my life. Ladies, God, raise up the female spiritual leadership to help guide me. Lord, for the guys, raise up the godly men in the church to guide me in what I need to do, because I need that. That needs to be all of our prayers, right? Let me pray for you.